Welcome back to part two of the spoilers welcome anthology discussion. Uh, last episode, if you will, first part, we talked about the uh, anthology horror movie Holidays. Holidays. Um, and now we're going to talk about the Western anthology, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, written and directed by the Coen brothers. Coen brothers. A uh, real quick thing I wanted to point out about this movie. Uh, that it does different from other anthologies. Uh, most anthologies, every uh, short film is written and directed by a different person. Um, and uh, for The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, um, Joel and Ethan Cohen wrote and directed every single short um, in this movie. So the whole movie is directed by them. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and we mentioned it earlier, but they did compile a lot of these stories over the course of 25 years, so mm. might have a little bit more production value put into it, at least within thought, heart, and time. <laughs> um, and so. two, I know two of the shorts um, are inspired from actual literature. Um, I, the one I know for sure is, um, uh, what's the name of the Prospector one? Oh, that one's, uh, oh, uh, All Gold Canyon. All Gold Canyon, which we'll talk about, um, is that's based. Uh, I found it's based off of an actual like short story. Oh, um, cool. there's another. I think there's another one in this movie where uh, it's got kind of based off of a off of like an old piece of Western literature, but I, I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't remember which one. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. That was just before a little, little side note. Yeah, you're good. I love those side notes. Um, so we do have a page pulled up just in case we need it. I don't know if you wanted to read through the, um, they have just below the list. They, uh, they have like little uh, paragraphed uh, summaries of the whole thing. If you wanted to either skim that or read that, uh, or you can just go off of memory. It's pretty short, probably as long as it would take for us to uh, summarize the whole thing. So if you want to do Honest, that, it's up to you. Honestly, like um, I think these, these uh, shorts will probably be easier to describe. Um, mm -hmm. And the other ones are a little bit more to the point. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, let cool. Do you want to? Which one do you remember the most? Um. Let me see. I. Why don't we just do it? Well, it depends on what you want to do. We could do every other one. You start off with the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and then uh, we'll just kind of go in opposite. Okay. Just summaries, and then we'll give our reviews and yeah, yeah, yeah. different things like that. Cool. Discussions, whatever. Whatever. Give me your whatever. money. Love money. Hey, don't talk about it. A pasta. That's what I tell my I mom. I say, I say, mad, don't worry about it so much. She goes, but I'm say, nah, mad, don't worry about it so much. Sorry. <laughs> well, on that note. Uh... <laughs> oh, I heard people in the hallway, and it scared the crud out of me. <laughs> That's what happens when you have uh, headphones on. Murderers could be everywhere. You never they know. are. They are everywhere. <laughs> um, everywhere. Gonna stay. Okay, so uh, first film, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, I want to say the actor's name, but I forgot it, so I'm looking it up real quick. Oh, Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake Nelson. So Tim I Blake love Nelson, Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, oh, dude, that was that actually sounded like him a lot. Well, thank you, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> Tim Blake Nelson um, stars in this short. Uh, it starts off, uh, looks like it's probably New Mexico, Arizona, somewhere in the in the West. Early Desert West. Canyons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
he's riding his horse and he's singing the song cool water which is a an actual song uh, marty robbins actually i don't know if it's i don't think it's originally a marty robbins song but i do think marty robbins covers it i think it's just mm-hmm. one of those old cowboy songs that has existed for a while he popularized but, it yeah Mar- yeah marty robbins did um but you got tim blake nelson on his horse dan he's singing to him um singing cool water uh hands up and, and it's like uh, a fourth wall breaking kind of short like he's talking to the camera talking about how he's a gunslinger and he's wanted and he's like the you know coolest hand in the west uh hands up in this little cantina he walks in and i really like this one because it kind of it's like uh it's very comic ish if you will like he walks in he he like pats himself at the door and like the dust comes off of him and it's like in the shape of him <laughs> and it, it and, stays uh, there for a frame or two yeah it stays there and he walks in he's like i'd like a shot of whiskey and bartender's like this is a dry county we don't got no whiskey and he looks over and the guys at the poker table are drinking and he's like well they got whiskey and he's like well they outlaws <laughs> he's like well so am i and he gets in a gunfight um and then uh he ends up in another town you know uh in this another saloon um he ends up playing cards someone thinks he's cheating um in the saloon you know you can't have you can't have your uh, weapons on you so you have to leave them at the door uh but this one dude has a gun on him and points it at buster uh buster ends up kicking the uh um what's it called the the table (laughs) plank plank, and it, it it like shoots the guy the guy shoots himself in the, in the face like three times uh because like it hits, it hits his uh elbow and you know goes. causes him to, to react um it's funny yeah and then uh you know a couple couple gunfights uh, and then uh this one guy comes in he's singing and uh, they're pretty much like uh about to gunfight for the title of songbird <laughs> who's a better who's a better musician and gunfighter and all that um and then they, uh, he gets shot and killed uh, pretty much instantly because they don't do a count. And uh, he starts uh, flying up to heaven, angel wings, and he's singing on his way up to, uh, up to heaven. Yeah. He just sings his way up there when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings. Yep, that's Love right. That song. Yeah. Loads There's a lot. Heaven. That's that's one of the thing uh, things about this movie is I really love the music. Um, yeah. Not cool. just the not just the score. But the uh, like the actual music, uh, some of the like just little songs that they would sing, uh, oh, whether yeah. it had background music or not, the musical numbers in the Buster Scruggs uh, short. I yeah, I, I haven't really, found I would, I, yeah for an anthology like this was so like lighthearted for like a western where everybody's shooting each other and stuff. I was like, dude, this is great. <laughs> I was having a good yeah, time. Yeah, that was uh, I, 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 that's what I like about this is because like the tones in each film are very different. Mm-hmm. um you have this one which is a comedy uh the next one which uh, kind of a comedy in a way too like a dark darker yeah. mm-hmm. um, now that we've yeah. done that one we'll get to the other ones what we can do a rating i don't know if you have any other like just oh dude this part was so so good. whatever you want I, to talk. i uh i don't know if you noticed but like the audio changes like when he's going up to heaven like when he's it. Sing- yeah yeah like as he's strumming and singing his audio is kind of muffled mm-hmm. and uh, the guy, the guy on the horse on the ground, his audio is clear. Oh, uh, okay. So they did a duet. Like, it's yeah, kind yeah. Of like he fades. Yeah. And he... 
Mm-hmm. Ah, so he took. It's like the, his uh, his his voice is getting further as he's as he's descending higher. Good, good um, mechanic. I like that. And then also in uh, uh, in the beginning when uh, he's like riding through the canyon and he's singing, mm-hmm. um, like when it cuts to like the inside of his guitar, it shows him strumming. Yep. It sounds like that hollow echo. Um, yeah, and I think also good shot. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think also like uh, his voice kind of echoes through the canyon in some parts. Like you kind of hear it. Yeah, I remember that. That's cool. I love the Cohen brothers so much, dude. They're great. I love they. They have some good, good quality stuff, dude. These are okay. That one, like I just said, the only thing that really popped out to me with that one was just it was so lighthearted. I loved it, and yep, um, the actors they had were great. Tim Blake Nelson just played the most perfect, uh, like literal cartoony cowboy that you could see live in live action. That was awesome. I love him, man. Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, he's a real singer too, and like yogurt. really, oh yeah, wow, he's a real musician. No wonder he sounds so good. Okay, ratings for that one, or do you have anything else? (laughs) No, rating for that one? This is hard, man, because I love all of And by the way, we're rating this compared to the others in this series. I could probably give almost all of them high ratings and not feel regretful about it at all. Yeah. Um. With that said, I mean, I'm gonna give this one a nine, honestly. Nine, uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a good movie, or a good short. Good short. Fun, kind of, kind of the the light hardness and goofiness of like Western TV mm-hmm. shows and and stories. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, good music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it like had a, it had good direction. Um, yeah, yeah. It and, like it was short, sweet, to the point concise i loved it (laughs) i loved it i had good direction it was great um my score obviously i mean if it's not close to 10 it's like a nine (laughs) you know what i mean like just because the other ones in here have to get you know you have to give room for that top spot because there's some good ones yeah yeah so i don't know man like this is hard this is gonna be hard to rate all these it is i'm gonna do i'm gonna do something here's what i'm gonna do i don't know if you want to do this we, I'm going to put them in order of all six to see which one was, because th- these are so high rated, at least in my book and in your book, that like, we're going to be like, oh, nines, tens, tens, nines, nines, tens. Ah, oh, that's mean. It's that going to is- be harder, but this is going to be fun. Come on. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Okay. Don't okay. worry about it so much. You know, so we'll, we'll, we'll come up, we'll come up with the order by the end. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll take the next one. Okay. Yeah. So for now, we'll go through all of them and then we'll rate them, you know, put them in an order. Ooh, so juicy. Okay. So good. What is the name of this one? Near Algodones? Yeah, near Algodones. Algodones. Okay. I'm just going to read the summary because um, I, I watched it a little bit ago. So this will do me better. Yeah, says, good. A young cowboy robs an isolated bank in New Mexico. By the way, good job on the, on the New Mexico thing, didn't it? It was pretty accurate. Yes, sir. Um, as he's fleeing, the jail bank uh, t- teller shoots at him, forcing him to take cover behind the wall. He returns fire. The teller charges, wearing a washboard of several pots and pans as armor, which deflect all the cowboy's bullets as the teller repeatedly cackles, pan shot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love that. That was a pan shot. I love that. The teller uh, knocks the cowboy <laughs> out. Uh, with the butt of his shotgun, the cowboy regains consciousness. He's sitting upon the horse, about to be hanged. Um, the lawman posse asks for his final words. They convict him to death. And then, um, oh, let's see. The execution interrupted by ambushing uh, 
Indian or Native American warriors who quickly slaughter the lawmen and posse and leave the cowboy in place upon the horse. As time uh, passes, a drover happens um, passes by, frees the cowboy, and then joins him on his drive. However, the drover is actually a rustler, and they're promptly chasing him down by another lawman posse. So the drover escapes, but the posse captures the cowboy and takes him into town where the judge uh, summarily orders him to be hanged as the cowboy stands on the gallows and three other men awaiting execution. He looks at the man to his left who's weeping and sobbing and bemoaning his fate and he quips, first time. First time. <laughs> and the cowboy's eyes then settle on the young man's in the crowd and the hangman abruptly hoods him and pulls the trapdoor lever. Yep. So that was, as, that was interesting. As, uh, as with the last um, short, mm -hmm. uh, the Buster Scruggs short, mm -hmm. uh, both of the protagonists die. Yeah, interesting. Yep. Oh. Yep. Oh. oh good we'll talk about that. We'll There's talk about good that. ideas. Uh, okay. Next one, meal next ticket. One. Uh, I will say about this one, it's probably... Not that I don't like it, but it's probably my least favorite only because um, it's so depressing. Uh, it does take a little while, um, but it is. And it's a very slow buildup. Um, yeah, I would agree. You got, Lee, you got Liam Neeson mm -hmm. um, and you got Dudley <laughs> from uh, Harry Potter. Uh, Liam Neeson is a is No a man, way, uh, you're joking. Nope, I'm not. I did not put that together. <laughs> yeah. Good He's for so him. skinny now. He's so oh. skinny, yeah. Um. No, but so you got a uh, Lee Neeson, uh, a man driving a like a show coach. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's a wagon that he's like using for um, entertainment purposes and stuff. Uh, and then you have a man who doesn't have any arms or any legs, um, and uh, he's using this man as like a forms of entertainment uh, for money. So they go to random towns, sets up. He gives like like Shakespearean speeches and bible speeches and stuff and it's the same uh, thing by the way <laughs> it's the same thing every single night it's like a 25 um, minute lecture of just different yeah stuff. just a bunch of random stuff and uh you know uh he's making you know good money off of it at first and then you can tell that less and less people start to show up the more towns that he goes to um and uh it's just kind of like you know they're both kind of like depressed like why like kind of it's kind of existential in a way Mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. neither of them seem happy because they're trying so hard to survive mm -hmm. um and then uh he goes to town and there's a man with a chicken that can do math apparently because like the people are like oh what's two plus two and the chicken will like peck at four and they're like oh my god magic chicken like they're all like excited it's a magic chicken it's a magic chicken marge <laughs> um and so uh pay money you know, for that yeah, Liam Neeson's character sees that and does exactly that, buys uh, buys the chicken from the guy. Um, and uh, as they're traveling on to their next location, uh, Dudley, uh, <laughs> not Dudley, <laughs> Dudley, but the guy, Dudley's actor. Sit yeah, he's sitting in the back of the wagon um, and uh, the chicken is hanging behind him, like in a cage. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, Liam Neeson sees uh, a river and he gets out, goes to the river and uh drops a rock in the river and the whole time i'm just gonna keep calling him dudley dudley um is like watching like dudley's like watching him and dude watching him watch him made me like cry because he knows what's about to happen and you know what's about to happen mm -hmm. uh Liam Neeson walks back 
towards the wagon, cuts to Liam Neeson driving the wagon, and it shows a shot of the back of the wagon where Dudley was once sitting, no longer sitting there with only the chicken in the back. Mm-hmm. That made me cry, bro. I was like, wow. <laughs> Dude, that yeah. very sad. Protagonist dies again. Protagonist dies again. That's what I was thinking. Dude, what is up with that? That's oh, so we'll crazy. Get, we'll, we'll get into it, baby. First of all, um, if I want to get into this just a little bit as a side note before we move on to any others. This really touches a like a bit of what it must have been like to take care of somebody who was born with deformities oh, yeah. like that. I mean, first of all, I had no idea that this guy whom I forgot was Dudley um, actually didn't have arms and legs. I was like, wow, that's Adam, real. Adam, Adam. What? Are, you being, are you being serious? Yes, I'm being serious. That's CG. Okay, well, I didn't know. <laughs> I thought we were talking about the fact that he's skinny, like when we said good for him. No, no, uh, no. Yeah. Good for him that he's, you know, he's doing all this acting stuff. And Oh, yeah. No, but he still has his arms and legs. I'm pretty dang sure. No, I'm sure, but I didn't put him together. I didn't know who this guy was. This guy was totally new to me. First time I'd seen oh. him on screen in a while, so. Are, wait, are you talking about the, you're just saying in general, like in a short? Yeah. Like, first time I saw the actor in a while, so I thought that this guy did not have arms and legs. I was like, wow, they oh, okay. hired a guy with no arms and legs. Very cool. Anyways, <laughs> um, they didn't. Well, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> I was astounded. So good job, film mechanics. That made that look so real. Um, but yeah, this really touches, like, on what it could have been like for somebody that had to take care of um, somebody that had these kind of, you know, uh, deformities back then right and it's like the whole time Liam Neeson has to do everything for this guy by the way Liam Neeson yeah. is like this guy is just second person Caretaker. yeah mm-hmm. like second head has to do everything for well, him. yeah and it, it even shows that um like Liam Neeson uh goes into like a brothel mm-hmm. and um Dudley's sitting there on a chair and he like turns him around and it's like kind of an inconvenience for both of them like mm-hmm. you know Liam Neeson's character has to take care of him and it's too hard for him to, you know, trying to make money and all that. So yeah, trying to feed so. him, having to take care of him and himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a big um, moral, or I guess I should say ethical kind of question for yeah. Liam Neeson's character. Very, very cool though. Very cool journey to go with that, even though it was sad. It was sad. Uh, made me totally cry. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a hard one for me to watch actually. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't say it's my last one, though. <laughs> what's your last? What's your last one? I'm not gonna tell you yet. Dang it! On to the next one, <laughs> which is I'll up, up there for me. Yep, this one's up there for me. Yes. Okay. Um, is this my turn to introduce this one? It is your turn. Okay. Again, I'm gonna read it because I love reading. Who doesn't? Fine, that's fine. That's fine. A grizzled prospector arrives in a pristine mountain valley and decides to dig for gold in a grassy meadow beside a river. Very beautiful, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the course of several days, he pans through uh, shovelfuls of dirt uh, to count the gold specks. Then he begins digging a deeper hole, and then he is triangulated. Uh, to the likely source. After his first night camping at the site, he spots a great horned owl uh, teeting his the at the treetop nest at the edge of the valley. He climbs up and reaches the nest. The mother owl's watchful gaze from nearby. The tree causes him to replace three of the four eggs he has taken for his breakfast. So something about that. He takes the eggs out of the tree. 
um, for breakfast. On his third day, he digs out gold nuggets of increasing size before finally reaching Mr. Pocket, a large gold vein running through the quartz he has uncovered, is what he calls it, Mr. Pocket. No sooner has he made his discovery than a young man who's been trailing the prospector and letting him do all the work sneaks up to the edge of the hole and shoots him in the back. And the prospector falls face down into the hole. When the young man jumps into the hole to steal the gold, the prospector stops uh, faking death or basically feigning death, literally, because he was about to die, basically. Wrestles the young man's gun away and kills him. The prospector cleans and assesses his wound in the stream with much effort, (laughs) uh, confirming it's not lethal. He finishes mining the gold, buries the young man's body in the same hole, and departs the valley. Yep. Epic story. Loved it. This one did not have to have a lot of talking in order for it to be good. I just loved how many times he said Mr. Pocket and the way he yeah. said it. Like he was just, he's like, mm, get in closer, Mr. Pocket, you know, or whatever. I'm coming for you, Mr. Pocket. I'm coming for you, Mr. Pocket. And he's like, yep. he's like, mm, where did you go, Mr. Pocket? And he gets in Do there. Not, Mr. Pocket. <laughs> yep. He's like yelling at nothing and he's got his little yeah. mule donkey with him. And he's just, he's just having a good old uh, gold mining time which uh, really made me want to search for gold now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. I think it's a sweet story. Uh, yeah. Um, I forgot. Re-wa- I rewatched that specific uh, short this morning. Yep. Um, and when the guy uh, uh, shoots him, um, I was, I forgot that that happened. And I was like, <gasps> Oh no. And uh, shot. yeah. And then I, I, I don't know what it is, but whenever a character especially in like a Western smokes. I love the aesthetic. He's like rolling his own cigarette and he's sitting there and puts it in. He lights a box of matches and then he like snubs it out, goes, goes down to, uh, to uh, get the gold. And then when they're fighting and um, you know, the prospector shoots him like three times, the smoke of the, of the gun barrel in the hole it's oh, dude. I love, I love Westerns. smoke aesthetics. <laughs> smoke aesthetics are super Great. cool. Lovely. But, um, yeah, I was just going to say like, I really, I really love the, uh, the cinematography on this, on this one specifically. And um, oh, I agree. The and now just... they're filming in is so pretty. Yeah. I was going to say not just the cinematography, but the, the color correction, the way that they made a regular Valley that we probably would look at and be like, Hey, that's really pretty. They totally hyped that thing up to make oh, it like yeah. the most beautiful Valley ever. I was like, dude, I could live there and it's basically heaven on earth. So my biggest problem with this ep- or with this one though, mm-hmm. every time he sees the owl, it's during the day. Unless horned owls are not nocturnal. Not, not, oh, not, oh, nocturnal. Nocturnal. Got it. Got it. What I, meant I didn't say. even think of that. That's interesting. Yeah. He's like looking at the owl and he's like grabbing the eggs. I'm like, what are you doing awake? <laughs> You're a nocturnal animal. It's your bedtime. It's your bedtime, little owl. What are you doing? Go to sleep, fool. <laughs> Close your big old eye tubes. They have eye tubes, by the way. <laughs> I'm terrified of owls, bro. Owls scare me so much. Really? Yes, especially ones in Arizona. Barn owls. Oh, dude, I love those things. Barn, not burrow. I didn't say burrow. (laughs) I'm just clarifying. Burrow owls, adorable. Yeah, they're cute. Barn owls, terrifying. 
Well, they definitely have sharp claws, but I think they're pretty. <laughs> no, dude. They're demons. <laughs> no, they're not. They're yes, just birds, they are. Bro. No, they're not. They're all they're, like they're spawns sent from hell. They're literally got that like pushed in face kind of dude, thing going on. I there. I was I went to okay, I was at a barn, right? And um in between the barn and like um what is it called? Like the generator or whatever. Mm-hmm. I see Satan's little spawn. <laughs> One claw on the generator, one on the um, building, and like its body is like upright, but its head turns 360, <laughs> like the freaking girl from The Exorcist, and it looks it looks at me and kind of like cocks his head, and I screamed, I ran so. <laughs> so that's fast. why you're afraid of Alice, I bro. I'm terrified, dude. It was so scary. I would like, cause I, I didn't get very close, but I was like, I was still pretty close. Like I walked up and I just see, I just see, yeah. And I was like, no, You're like no, bro, get out of here. <laughs> oh, just thinking about it gives me the heebie-jeebies, bro. That that was so scary. That's awesome. If an owl ever flies at me, I will two piece it. Yeah, <laughs> dude, those things have some sharp talons, bro. They're mean. Things, their grip strength is insane. That's. Why do you think I'm afraid of them, Adam? <laughs> I just wanted to make you more afraid of them. Dude. That thing could pick me up. I'm 230, and that thing could pick me up. No, it couldn't. <laughs> it couldn't. Oh, my gosh. You're right about the nocturnal thing, though. That yeah. was – I did not see that. Um, so horrible, one out of ten. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what do you rate it? What do you rate it, though? Oh, this one – okay, this one's problem. I don't want to give it, like, oh, a place – but it's definitely nine, up there. Nine. I would say a nine. Oh, no, oh yeah. I would say nine. Uh, I just gave for, the last versus, one a nine, though. That's true. I'm going to go. Uh, we're doing the... Um, I'm going to wait to put it in the six order. One through six at the end. So, okay. let's see. That one was good, though. Definitely uh, a nine for me. But then again, all of them are pretty much nine so far. So, whatever. Yeah, I was about to say, I think all of them are going to be up there. Wait, did we rate the meal ticket one? Uh, No, I don't think so. Um, I would definitely nine, nine point five for me. <laughs> I'm gonna give a meal ticket eight. Okay, okay. I know All it was right. slow, but I I felt it, dude. I was like, holy crap! Especially it being mostly a silent thing with the um Liam Neeson not saying a word through the whole thing. So that was yeah. Oh yeah, you're awesome. right. It, it did convey a lot um, without uh, the use of a lot of dialogue. Yeah. So the next one is the gal who got rattled. This one is actually pretty lengthy of plot. I'm, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna read the description rather than exp- okay. kind of explain it all off the top okay. of my head. It's um, a good one though. It's a good one though. I love this one. Here we go. Settle in, children. Time to get going. The gal who got rattled. Alice Longabo and her older brother Gilbert, an in- an inept businessman, are journeying. Sorry. Journeying. <laughs> <laughs> Alice Longabo and her older brother Gilbert, an inept businessman, are journeying into a wagon train across the prairie towards Oregon, where Gilbert claims a new business partner will marry his sister. Gilbert has a violent coughing fit and dies shortly after the embark. The wagon train's leader, Mr. Billy Knapp and Mr. Arthur, attribute Gilbert's death to cholera and help Alice bury him. Though she know definite prospects in Oregon, Alice decides to continue the trip rather than return east. 
Matt, the young man Gilbert hired to lead their wagon, claims Gilbert promised him a higher than usual wage of $400, half of which he expects when they reach the halfway point at Fort Laramie. Fearing Gilbert's money was buried with him, Alice conveys her predicament to Billy, who offers his support in contemplating how to proceed. He also does Alice the favor of first attempting to shoot Gilbert's small dog, President Pierce, named after Franklin Pierce, uh, <laughs> then scaring him off because the dog's constant barking was driving everybody crazy, pretty much. Yapping dog. <laughs> Through the course of their conversation, Billy grows fond of Alice. He proposes to solve her dilemma by marrying her in Fort Laramie, assuming Gilbert's debt to Matt and retiring the leading wagon trains to build a home and family with her upon the 640 acres in Oregon that he claimed according to the Homestead Act. Alice is surprised by Billy's proposal, but has grown fond of him, so she accepts. Billy informs Mr. Arthur that this will be their last ride together. The following morning, Mr. Arthur notices Alice is missing. He rides over a nearby hill to find her reunited with President Pierce and laughing as he barks at the antics of some prairie dogs. Mr. Arthur then spots a Native American scout, an advancing war party, preparing for a fight. He gives Alice a pistol so that if he is killed, he can shoot her, she can shoot herself and avoid capture. Mr. Arthur twice drives back the charging warriors with his rifle, but a remaining warrior momentarily appears to kill him. But he ends up killing the warrior, um, then discovers that when he appeared to have died, Alice shot herself as he had instructed her. Mr. Arthur sadly walks back to the wagon train with President Pierce, unsure of what to say to Billy Knapp. I, oh honest, my gosh. I absolutely love this one. This I, is probably my favorite one. Dude, if this isn't my favorite one, it is my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, this is my favorite one. Um, So good, dude. The story this, was great. Like I was saying, you know, you got all of the genres in this, in this uh, movie. You yep. got your comedy in the beginning. You got your even a uh, musical, <laughs> comedy heart, musical. Yeah, comedy musical. You got your heartfelt drama. Mm -hmm. You got you got your um, uh, I don't want to say coming of age, but you got your feel good. You got your feel good story. Mm -hmm. Oh, I miss. I meant I'm the the Algodona. I forget the name of it, but the one with James Franco. Um, uh, Algodonas, yeah. Algodonas. That one is kind of a, a comedy, dark comedy. Yeah. Um, meal ticket, your heartfelt, mm -hmm. the prospector one, your feel good, feel good, definitely. This one, your romance, dude, romance, kind of, yeah, romance <sighs> and uh, drama, but um, no, nah, I wouldn't say in, like action or intense or anything. Although there is some at the end. Um, oh, dude, that fight scene with the Indians or with the Native Americans is so good. Yeah, dude. Uh, where to start, dude? Um. They, so good with the way they set it up with like the brother um i i honestly think that in the beginning when they talked about her and her brother moving with the wagon and all that jazz they have a meeting at the beginning i don't even think that was necessary i know that it was like setting yeah. up the whole business thing they could have they could have talked about I, that on the way i think the biggest thing that they were trying to set up too is because like they're because they were saying i think it was like a um um what's it called uh like a hostel like where uh, a bunch of people are staying and like like mm -hmm. one house or whatever and then the lady yeah. who owns the place like makes them dinner and stuff and they're all eating dinner together that's right and um, they've got to go kind of thing they they do that in like true grit as well yeah um that's how like some of the characters meet mm -hmm. um 
kind of is i feel like it's done a lot in westerns mm-hmm. um to kind well, of that was kind of the times back then i guess yeah and it, you know it's it's also a good way in movies to establish uh some uh what's the word uh development yeah but uh i would agree but the thing is is like the brother uh ends up getting cholera and in that mm-hmm. scene where they're all sitting at the table they're talking about how someone had a coughing fit and she was like, I think he was coughing because he was nervous, not because he was contagious. And then they started like arguing about if the body has tendrils and all that. Um, and she was like, I saw it in a book. And he was like, I don't <laughs> give a damn if you saw it in a book. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, no, but uh, I think I think that's what that was trying to set up is that someone had had cholera, which is mm-hmm. contagious, in the yeah. in the uh, um, house, and then he ended up getting it. I see. Okay. I did not, that flew over my head. I know he had the, the sickness, but uh, that flew over my head. Um, yeah. Also on going forward into the actual wagon portion where they're all journeying and stuff. The only thing that made me uncomfortable with it, which was good was the dark, uh, the barking dog. That was what made me the most uncomfortable. And the reason why I say that is because like they had, you know, the cholera, he was, these conditions were horrible. These people were traveling and stuff. What do you mean uncomfortable? Um, like that, that he offered to put it down no the fact that it was annoying me <laughs> because oh. they had they had an annoying time going over all these planes and stuff and i i felt fine i was like dude those rolling planes like they're getting all you know their their community together they're traveling but like the annoying dog was like dude that stuff happens today it could have happened back then where everybody's like in traffic and one dude is like you know on doing something stupid and everybody's like come on dude so like yeah. that really made me saying. relate. I was like, dude, okay, that that gets me like there. I'm like, they were annoyed too. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad that I felt annoyed in the same way that they could have been. But the whole the dog, um, he offers to put the dog down because um, it wasn't her dog. Yeah. Um, and uh, he like I think he said he was gonna shoot it, but he missed it. Yeah. Or like uh, I think he did that on purpose. Like he let it go on purpose, knowing that. Uh, oh really about she would probably i think so yeah i didn't catch that i didn't even um, think about it. because he was like i'm sorry miss like i didn't shoot it like i missed it uh he like, had already dang dog ran off yeah, yeah, yeah. so she so she has like that kind of better feeling that it she knows that it's not dead yet yeah um i thought he was lying <laughs> but then uh i i kind of did it first too but then um uh later on she rides off because she hears him and uh, that's what leads into uh, the Native American battle. Because mm-hmm. she's all over there. By the way, that was the only thing that made me a little off about this was the fact that she like found this dog and she was just laughing when like she got a really stern talking to by these guys that like, don't go over a hill where we can't see you because you'll be ambushed. And she was like, <laughs> my dog is just here. Yeah, but what? you know, that was her only connection to her family. Like she doesn't have any people and that's true i'm just a heartless Probably guy her, so made her feel a little bit better there, <laughs> there are reasons there are reasons there, there could have been i guess there were no. okay i agree um there could have been and i love the character <laughs> of i love the character of billy knapp yeah he was cool i really i really i don't know that i really like that one because it felt the most like cowboyish rustlerish to me yep and um, and by the way it um, felt like a western tv show a little bit yeah i'm really close to my grandpa so when it comes to like that connection he had with uh, Mr. Arthur, where he says nothing. Yo, I was like, dude, that is hard stuff to be like talking to that guy when you're all sprightly and young and ready to go. And they're just like, Bleh. you know what I mean? 
yo, that's how I feel with my dad sometimes. Like when he was like, uh, we're about to get married. He's like, mm-hmm. where's that damn Libro? Yeah. Right. And you're like, just pay like, attention to me. That's a very, uh, I feel like that's a very like, especially like West Western dad thing to do. Like oh, cowboy yeah. dad thing to do. Cause like, yeah, my grandfather is a little bit like that. My uncle's definitely like, yeah, that's like I think that. that, that's it not was a bad the, thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Well, it was the times, and then because back then we have a lot, um, we have a lot easier society today. So it's like back then you had to be tough or, but, yeah, or nothing. So it's like I think it's kind of I think it's kind of one of those things. It's like uh, I don't know. Like Mr. Arthur was like a father figure to him, you know? Yeah. And like and Arthur was, was like, I don't want to be. <laughs> but you could, well, no, but you could like tell. I think it was because Arthur was like didn't want him to go, you know, because that was gonna yeah be their last wagon train together that's true i misspoke yeah I mean, it was kind of like a him trying to avoid the fact that yeah. that he had to go kind of yeah adam time. hey yeah. hey kind of a sadness we are both on this podcast on. i am i'm feeling fire from that other side of the screen what are you I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me fire After, everything right. seems to want to die over at my little studio <laughs> and now the final uh the final short one. film i have to move my laptop hold on buster scruggs which oh, is the mortal remains zing, the mortal zing. remains zing 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 zing, zing. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> i see spongebob patrick what are you doing Right when they're like standing on the cliff or whatever. Wait, which which uh which episode? The movie. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> what was the line again though? When he goes over there, and he's I don't like, remember. Like they're looking at the abyss or whatever. He's like, oh oh, it's it's like it's pretty deep <laughs> and dark and scary or whatever they were talking about. Yeah. Scary, scary. Oh. Scary. I'm trying no, to no, I know you're. I know you're thinking. Hold on, we have to pause. I have to get this down. How do we not know this? How do we not? We literally lived this movie. <laughs> Pickle. Pickle. Oh, okay. I missed it. Do you want some ice cream? <laughs> you boys want some ice Hey, Adam, have some respect. Respect for the dead. Remember when they were like, he comes up and he's like, um, he's like, oh, no, no. When he lives over, he's like, he's like, He's like, I bet they won't last 10 seconds over the county line. And he's like, they go over and he's like, urch. out of the car, boys. And then they like hop oh, out. Yeah. And then he takes it. And he's like, how long was that? Or whatever. And he's like, 12 seconds. And there was like, in your face. And they're yeah. just like, dee, 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 walking around. <laughs> they're like, they're oh, dead. <sighs> Good stuff. Um... This is what a real mustache looks like. <laughs> he's like oh. yeah uh, good stuff 
Can we just have a whole episode dedicated to the SpongeBob franchise, please? Yo, let's just have a whole episode about the SpongeBob movie. Yes, please. It will just take but yeah, but this- we do a live review of it, bro. <laughs> Our first oh, wait, the of wait, which one? The new one? Uh the 2004. You know, you know what? Hmm. What if one day we did we reviewed the 2004 one? And then the one that came out in what, like 2015 or whatever, the one that we went and saw in theaters. Yep. Yep. And oh, then, wow. and then, review that on our podcast or whatever. And then, like, do like a Twitch stream of us watching the new one. Let's do it. I am with yeah. you on that. Let's do yeah. it. Okay. See that calendar over there? We're plotting it down. Uh, I'm going to have to figure out how to do the Twitch thing, though. I don't know how we would stream both of us. Uh, okay. If not, we can we'll figure it out. And if anything, it doesn't even have to be our faces. It could just be our voices. Exactly. We could just watch it and then pause and talk and rewind and do all that fun stuff. So yeah, sweet. We'll figure <sighs> it out. Glad we figured out that SpongeBob thing. We actually didn't, but here we are. <laughs> anyway, moving on. We should probably get back to the movie. All right. Is who introduced the last one? You did. So I'll do this I one. I did indeed. Indeed. <laughs> okay. Um. All right, we're starting it back up in three, two, one. Welcome back, everybody, to the last segment of this Buster Scruggs one. We take a short break, and now we are on the mortal remains. And honestly, it couldn't have been better. This one is obviously um, my favorite because of its in-depth amazingness. So let me just read the summary for y'all, so y'all know what we're talking about. The mortal remains uh, anthology segment in the ballad of buster scruggs at sunset five people an englishman an irishman a frenchman a lady and a fur trapper ride to fort morgan colorado in a stagecoach thigpin or the englishman englishman is thigpin irishman is clarence frenchman is rene and lady miss Benjamin and fur trapper they only use him as names. So Thigpen says that he and Clarence often travel this route, ferrying cargo, alluding to a corpse on the roof. But he does not specify the nature of their business. The trapper rambles about his past relationship with a, a hunk papa woman in which neither knew the neither knew the other's language, but communicating through understanding each other's emotions led him to conclude that people are all alike in their basic needs, just like the animals that he traps. Mrs. Benjamin um, a devout Christian indignantly retorts that there are only two kinds of people, upright and sinning, and explains that she knows this because her husband, whom she's traveling to meet after having been apart for three years, is a retired um, oh, lecturer. <laughs> Just say lecturer. Yeah, lecturer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> lecturer on moral and spiritual hygiene. Rene challenges her dichotomy and the trapper's oversimplification with reflections on the unique and subjective nature of human experiences. As an example, Rene questions whether Miss, uh, uh, Mr. Benjamin uh, conceives of love the same way Mrs. Benjamin does, conjecturing that if he does not, perhaps he has not remained faithful to her during their separation. Mrs. Benjamin becomes apologetic, and Rene calls out the which apologetic means defensive. Uh, and Rene calls out the window. That's ap- apoplectic. Oh, sorry, that I said apologetic. Apoplectic. And Rene calls out the window for the stagecoach to be stopped, and the driver does not halt. Thigpen explains that the stage company's policy is not to stop for any reason. 
Clarence sings the bittersweet folk song, The Unfortunate Lad, which Would you calms... like me to sing it? Yes, can you sing it, please? Wait, hold on, I gotta find the <laughs> Are you gonna play it or are you oh. gonna actually sing it? I was gonna sing it. Then do it, my bro. They would love to hear it. Wouldn't you love to hear it? I told you they would love to hear it. Oh man, you, you all are making me so uh, making me so nervous. Put me on the spot. Hey, I'm the red one. <laughs> no, you can you can finish, you can finish the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. All right, here we go. He sings the bittersweet folk song, "The Unfortunate Lad," which calms Mrs. Betchman. He and Thigpen then reveal themselves to be reapers or bounty hunters. Thigpen then tells the group that their usual method is for him to distract their targets with stories while Clarence thumps them. Thigpen remarks that he enjoys watching them die, especially the expression in their eyes as they negotiate the passage and try to make sense of it. The other three are visibly unsettled by this as they arrive at the dark and foreboding hotel in Fort Morgan, where they will all be staying. They remain in the stagecoach while Thigpen and Clarence carry the corpse into the hotel and up its stairway which is dimly lit from above. Then they slowly disembark and the coach departs without any luggage being unloaded. Renee, Mrs. Benjamin, and the trapper warily make their way through the hotel door. All right. There's the summary. I, I have a lot of uh, a lot of opinions on this one. Like good ones. Lots good of ones. opinions, yes. Uh, you start with yours, man. Okay, I will start with mine. Because I know you said you had a lot about this one that you wanted to say. I, I do, a little bit. Um, where do I start? <laughs> so, we have five people in here, right? Five people in the stagecoach. There's a guy on the roof, which is dead. Don't know what he stands for. Um, death. It, it could just be death, obviously. But Dead person. Dead person. Um, obviously, the three in the coach are dead, and they are being yeah. transported by these reapers in the stagecoach. And one of them, this is the whole dealio. One of them is a Christian. One of them is a... Um, trapper and one of them is a frenchman right mm. these three represent major beliefs in the world one is um naturalism the other is um divine law and the other is um either it's human experience is what it is it's yeah because because he he was a gambler yeah so human experience French, the frenchman yeah i forget what the um exact one is it's either like relativism or something like that i think that. it's human experience because he mentions that yeah which is um i just took like a philosophy class which is why i'm so excited to talk about all these different things yeah so obviously the cohen brothers writing this um just like in a different movie um the director woody allen i'll just mention him for a second he he makes a different movie um crimes and misdemeanors and basically oh he, i've heard about this okay continue yeah so basically what he does is he takes characters that look very very similar to stereotypical people that have that are heads of their beliefs like for example there's a lady in his movie crimes and misdemeanors that looks like Anne rand which is a huge um she's basically like the mother of um selfish philosophy if you want to call it like what the philosophy is if you're not selfish then you're wrong you're ethically wrong if you're not right. being selfish um she obviously grew up in world war too, I believe, or I could be wrong. It was in Russia or something like that. Very oppressive, um, unfortunate upbringing kind of a thing. Yeah. So um, she's the the big big person of that belief. And then in Woody um, Woody's movie, he also has Jewish culture. Um, and Rand's kind of like you know 
um, you have to be selfish kind of beliefs. And then you have like the person in the middle of it all, which just kind of sits there and goes, what do I do? I have this passage or this passage. What do I do? And um, that's kind of what's happening in this one. And Mm. Woody Allen basically makes his own distinctions because even with his Jewish character that he created in that movie, he basically, he makes him say a line that says, even um, he said, I would take God over truth. That's what he says. One of the lines that the Jewish person says doesn't, doesn't work with the Jewish, you know, lineup because obviously Woody Allen is not a believer. He is a atheist. And so, Oh, is he? Yes. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. His beliefs kind of flow on. Well, he's unbelievable. I'm pretty sure if I'm wrong, I'm going to check on that. Um, But yeah. So basically his, his beliefs, the whole deal is that his beliefs are going into the movie to make lines for these characters and to explain what they're doing. This movie is doing the same exact thing, except it's through the Coen brothers own eyes where they're basically each of these characters, the Christian, the human experience and the trapper or the naturalist guy are basically being stared at through the lenses of these reapers, which I believe represent the directors, the Coen brothers themselves. Oh. Um, because the reapers are the ones that sit back and go, huh, I wonder what they're thinking, like how they look in their eyes when they yeah. try to make sense of it all. Because I believe the Coen brothers, when they put people like this in, in these movies, the trapper isn't right, the human experience isn't right, and the Christian isn't right. They're all just here... Uh, almost meaninglessly trying to figure out what it all means before they meet their end, um, which is the only certain thing. So uh, I believe that they put their their own individual beliefs onto the Christian, onto the trapper, onto this to basically say that this belief of a naturalistic is too simplistic. Christian belief doesn't work because they're hypocrites, and you know, and that the human yeah. experience guy doesn't work because too he's complicated. Just a, yeah, it's too complicated. The middle guy or whatever. And then like these guys that are the reapers or the people that sit back and watch it all and think that they just observe are the real winners. So I think that that's kind of what Hmm. that whole scene is supposed to mean is that the only people that actually win in this scenario are the people that just sit back and enjoy life and watch it happen before the end. Huh. That, dang, dude, that is cool. You you have way more in-depth <laughs> thoughts about that than I did. I was, just, I was literally just going to use all the symbolism. I was just going to be like, the stagecoach driver is like, you know, you could compare it to like the river sticks. And, yeah. And let's, uh, the dude, the dude uh, that takes the money. Yeah, I was, I was trying to this like. This is more Greek, like Greek myth. But, he, you know, he's, the stagecoach is, is the way to hell or not hell, but to the afterlife. The end, yeah, um, the afterlife. Yeah, to the end. Um, the two are the, are the reapers. Um, the so, I I think I read this somewhere that the guy on the roof, the dead guy on the roof, was someone whose fate has already been decided. Mm, because the three, the three's fate has not has not yet been decided. Yeah. Because once they get to the hotel, if you if you notice, first thing I noticed on the doors, on the left door, is a sigil of an angel. On the right is a sigil of a, which is commonly associated with demons. Hmm. Um, I think I think it was a go ahead with horns, hmm. um, which is commonly associated with like demons and stuff, um, hmm. and Satan. Uh, and then when they open the door, um, the uh, the staircase is is dimly lit, kind of like the bright light staircase to heaven almost, mm-hmm. right? And they mm-hmm. take they take that body up the staircase. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so what I'm assuming is the hotel is purgatory mm-hmm. because 
you know, you had this, you had the the good and the and the bad symbols, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, you know, there's like a, there's like a middle ground before you. Yeah, get to they the haven't place. they haven't yet been decided what their fate is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, some yeah, some would say that's actually just our lives <laughs> in general. Yeah. It's just like we yeah. have all this waiting time to figure stuff out, and then we're like, yeah. hmm, then the end hits. So. Dang. That's the only certain thing. Hey. Some people, you know, like that. <laughs> you brought up, uh, oh, I looked up. It said, it doesn't say if he's uh, atheist or not, but it just says that he was born Jewish or he is oh, Jewish. Oh, okay. Well, the, I was taking a uh, Christian philosophy class and my professor, basically he like, we were doing a, an activity and he was basically explaining how directors can impose their stuff onto actors and lines. So yeah. if there's anything you see in a movie, it's usually influenced by what they believe. So it was like, even if he doesn't, he's not an atheist or unbelief. Um, he definitely has a belief that the Jewish way is not the right way, and that Anne Rand's way of just kind of like you have to be selfish or you're wrong is kind of like it's a toss up because the character ends up choosing the uh, ends up choosing the other way, which is like not to turn himself in, and he just gives it all up and just kind of like um, mm. he's just like I'll just hold this in until I die. Nobody will know if I get away with it. It's okay. I'll have to watch and this. I've I've never actually, seen. yeah. The director actually plays a character in that movie, and the character that he plays is very similar to the Reaper in the sense that he goes, "I don't know, man. Like, there's life and stuff. These choices ahead of you. What are you gonna do?" And then the main character decides to do what we would consider ethically wrong, which is to not confess to the murder that he did and all this different stuff. And um, and then basically the only character <laughs> that kind of like wins out is the. Woody Allen's character, which is like, oh, I'm just gonna watch this. And be like, huh, that's interesting. I uh, I gotta. I I heard about this movie the other day. That's why I got so excited. Um, uh, I was watching like a video essay, and someone brought it up, and I think it had to do with like, you know, like uh, kind of like the psych. I don't want to say psychological, but more like the mental, like kind of uh, philosophical parts of uh, yeah, not not psychological, philosophical mm-hmm. parts of film. And I, and when you brought that up, I knew and I heard of it because I looked it up the other day. I just don't remember what it had to do with. I was just like, "Whoa, I heard about this movie. That's crazy." Yeah, that's it. That there was no substance to that. Uh, but Which is, it's still cool. I was like, um, "Some of now, my stuff could be wrong, but I'm I just I was very passionate about that." So, but now, uh, you know what that means? It's time to rate the movies. You know. Uh, in order of <laughs> out of order six of, wow yeah best uh what best to worst dang uh yeah i guess so um okay oh come on you got to go worst to best because everybody's got to wait for that build up you know what i mean to figure out what your final one is worst to best yeah worst ah to- that's even harder okay All right. i can go All first right. i already know All what right. the Ready? one that i didn't like first was okay you go, you go first <laughs> Uh, the first one I didn't like the most was uh, Pan Shot um, Algodones. I really like that one, actually. It was cool. I thought it was like cool, but it wasn't, it didn't hit. The other ones were just better, I think, in, in comparison. Yeah. That one was my sixth one. The next one, honestly, dude. Mm, you said you knew. I did know, but I don't think you're going to like it. You're, you're probably going to say the gal who got rattled, huh? No, I'm going to say the ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh. <laughs> Blasphemous. I know, but like it was it was cool. It had me going for a while. I just thought mm. 
I, I forgot what an anthology was. So when that ended and he died, I thought he was going to continue into the other stories and like be the narrator and explain how all these stories were going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know what I was expecting, but when it ended, I was like, I want more so much. Um, but it kind of left me hanging. I was like, dude, it was so comedic and awesome. And I loved it. But it, uh, the other ones were just more impactful for me than. Oh, quick fun fact. The guy that plays uh, Curly Joe, the one that shoots himself in the face from Buster Scruggs, yep. uh, is played by Clancy Brown, the voice of uh, um, Mr. Krabs. Yep. Arr, arr, arr. Just wanted to point that out. I love that guy. He also plays in Shawshank Redemption. He's in a lot. He does a lot of character acting. He does a lot of cool stuff. He's great. He's funny. If you see, I was watching it behind the scenes of the SpongeBob cast, and he was just having a great time. <laughs> Everybody, cool guy. Um, okay, right, so. That- so Six five near Algodones, uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, um, meal ticket. Okay. Yeah, and I think that one kind of goes. It's either I like of, the, I kind of agree with that one. Yeah, you and me. It was great. It got me really good, but it was really slow. Um, the next one, All Gold Canyon. Okay. Yeah, All Gold Canyon, really cool. And then the last two, <clears throat> the girl who got rattled. Yep, I figured this was going to be the order. I figured it was going to be the order too. And then Mortal Remains. Okay. That was the last one. I think that I just got so much out of Mortal Remains because I had, um, I I was just so in depth into it. But the girl who got rattled was so romantic and awesome. But uh, because that was like the only reason I was like, oh, I just love that romantical kind of feeling and stuff. If I was going to watch him over and over and over again, I would do, I would do the Mortal Remains. So I think like, I think my favorite thing about the girl who the gal that got rattled real quick, I just want to point out, I think it just reminds me so much of uh um like old westerns and stuff. Like like the like uh TV shows. It mm-hmm. reminds me of like, you know, it's like very, you know, quick to the point. Not quick, but like it's very simple to follow mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Simple to follow ca- likable characters with a kind of a tragic ending but mm-hmm. but good okay so worst to best so i'm gonna i'm gonna start with near algodones at the bottom yeah good one i, I like it but yeah, <laughs> it is funny and then i'm gonna go into meal ticket really meal ticket you just thought it was slow didn't you know it's just because i'm trying to put buster scruggs kind of high because i don't <laughs> okay that makes sense then you're not gonna like this one the mortal remains oh you and then you all gold canyon buster scruggs gal who got rattled really okay yeah the gal who got rattled was a really good one uh gold canyon was like a feel good yeah that's my favorite one yeah yeah Dang, yeah. and the Ballad the of Buster Scruggs, Scruggs up there. It's so, it's, so, it's so stylized, bro. Like that, And that's the first one, and I really love that uh, short, and I really like Tim Blake Nelson and the music. Yeah. And, like, I, I look up I look up uh, all the songs, yeah. and the guy the guy that played, I, I don't remember his name, but the, the guy that wears all black, the guy in all black that shoots him and kills yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his name is, like, Willie, Willie something. Mm-hmm. Um. But I actually saved some of his music, like because he's an actual musician. He does really? like bluegrass and stuff. Yeah. What? And I, I really like his music. That's awesome, um, dude. And so because of that, I think I also have like a little bit of an attachment to it. 
Um, that's cool. That's cool. Super good. Willie Watson. Yeah. Willie Watson. Okay. 10 out of 10 recommend. Wow. Very cool. I like that. Um, well, uh, yeah. Okay. One more thing though. Um, about this that we didn't mention before, mm-hmm. each of these has a little story intro that, you know, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Near oh, the book. Yeah. The book. That was really cool. Um, yeah. That's, that's kind of like what kids would be read or something back then. It was like little short stories that, yeah. you know, would tell, why don't we read more stories? You know what I mean? Like just yeah. so cool and so short and sweet. They had a moral to them. And um, I love this. The one, my favorite one was the gal who got rattled the, the, the poster one or whatever you want to call it. The page Oh of the yeah. Book. So it's, it's, it's like set up like those old books that um, um, before each story has like a really nice, like little drawing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, it's uh, Mr. What's his name? Arthur. Yep. Mr. Arthur. Mr. Arthur walking with the little dog. The dog. By his side. Yeah. And it's like, um, he had no idea what he was going to tell Billy or something like that. Yeah. Or, Mr. Knapp. Or Mr. Knapp. Yeah. Whoever it was. He's like, he had um, no idea what he was going to tell him. Dude, it reminded me so much of uh, like just books that my grandpa used to own. And like, dude, I, yeah. I guarantee you, I can find a book almost identical to that in my grandma's house. Which is what makes it such a good movie. So many people. Which is why I love it so much, dude. Okay, real quick, want to say, modern westerns um, need to make a comeback, specifically because of this movie. So freaking good. (laughs) I want to have a day, or maybe not modern westerns, but like westerns, like being made now. Yeah. Um, Because I I consider a modern western like a western set in modern time. Yeah. But um, which I just watched one called. Concrete Cowboy, very good movie. Probably talk hmm. about that later. Hmm, um, interesting. We'll see. We'll see. But, uh, I think we should have a Western day because there's a lot that I could talk about. And I literally started another one after watching Buster Scruggs right before this. It's a Australian Western. Oh. The proposition. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get into that later. Uh, yeah, mm. we got a lot of days of filming that we can write all sorts of stuff about. So we're going to get on that. <laughs> I leave you on this note. All day I faced a barren waste without the taste of water. 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 <laughs> nice. Thank you for singing. Now we have a complete show. Denton sang for us, everybody. Now you're all blessed. You're going to win a million dollars and not know what to do with it and go into bankruptcy. <laughs> Well, you go into bankruptcy, <laughs> remember, you always have water. water. <laughs> oh my gosh. And with that lovely singing outro, I think that will do it for this lovely episode of Spoilers Welcome. Thank you, everybody, so much for having us here to talk about movies and such and things. And we just appreciate you being here. Um, Denton, is there any final words you want to give besides your lovely, lovely song? No. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Got it. Then without further ado, we're going to sign off. My name's Adam. That's my lovely partner, Denton, over there. And we are signing off. Thank you and peace out. God bless. God bless. Cool. Clear. Water. Water.